This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 222, Comic Talk, Vacation Reading. This is Comic Shenanigans, this is uh, episode 222, I'm your host Adam Chapman, this is a new Comic Talk episode looking at vacation reading. Uh, what I mean by that is, as I mentioned on previous episodes of the show, I was recently uh, out of the country, left Canada behind in the cold, and I uh, went to the uh, little bit nicer climate of Cuba for a week and for some uh, sun relaxation, fun with the family, and uh, while there I did have a little bit of time to read, not as much as I would have Prior to having a son, now that I have a son, I find, oh my god, he's busy. Uh, a lot of work uh, to take care of a rambunctious 15-month-old, or 14-month-old, I guess, when we went. Um, but I did get a chance to read some stuff, and I wanted to talk about it, some stuff I had never read before. And uh, I wanted to at least do a little bit of a quick episode, just talking about some of those uh, things that I had a chance to read. Um, and what, what they were like. So, the first thing I want to look at is uh, recently I was super excited about a new trade paperback that came out called The Marvel's Companion. Now, The Marvel's Companion ostensibly is a, is a companion piece to the classic Marvel's uh, miniseries by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, as well as then the follow-up uh, Marvel's Eye of the Camera by Kurt Busiek, uh, Roger Stern, and oh, I forget the artist, I'll have to look that up afterwards, um, which is about Phil Sheldon, a photographer in the Marvel Universe, who's He's a regular person seeing, you know, seeing the Marvel Universe through the lens of a of a normal person uh, who happens to be in the in the position of taking pictures of the Marvels, uh, all these peop- uh, fantastic people with superpowers, whether they be mutants or other superhumans, etc. Um, and so the idea is, I guess, of this of this volume is to be a companion to kind of go with that. Now it's in very interesting hodgepodge of, of material, um, which is part of why I was so excited about it. Now. Of this collection includes the following: uh, something called Tales of the Marvels Blockbuster, Tales of the Marvels Inner Demons, Tales of the Marvels Wonder Years One to Two, Code of Honor Number One to Four, Conspiracy One to Two, and Ruins One to Two. Um, now, some of the people that it uh, features work by um, Mike Barron, Mariano Nicieza, Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning, Chuck Dixon, and Warren Ellis. Those are all the writers. And uh, illustrated by Sean Martinbro, Bob Wakelin, Igor Cordy, Brad Parker, Tristan Shane, Vince Evans, Cliff Nielsen, Teresa Nielsen, and more. Uh, so what excited me about this collection was the fact that it included uh, Conspiracy, number one to two, which was a book that I remember reading in the late 90s. I, I got it at a um, Silver Snail here in Toronto. Uh, there used to be... Uh, second location in Toronto now there's just the one, the main one on um, that has recently moved actually I almost said Queen Street for those who actually are from Toronto um, but now uh, it was from an, on a different location and it was close to my home and I remember going there all the time and when I was younger and I remember picking up Conspiracy and it was this painted book all about the secret conspiracy of the Marvel Universe how nothing is as it seems um, there's a bit of a shield cover up uh, it's, I always thought it was a really well done story I liked the art. It was it was a little bit different from what I was used to at the time. Again, this would have been mid to late nineties, um, and it was just really kind of dark look at the Marvel universe. Um, you've seen aspect like I think uh, what's his name, Mark Miller, kind of did the kind of idea of a conspiracy, something similar in his um, what was the book, uh, Marvel Knight Spider Man. But this was the first time I remember ever seeing anything like this. The idea that everything was connected. Um, 
And, you know, the fact that there were so many superhumans is not a surprise. In fact, a lot of this was engineered. Um, and I always thought it was really cool, really well done. Anyways, it's the reason why I bought this big trade paperback. This trade paperback is a thick one. Uh, it's about $40 US, $44 Canadian. Um, the cover is from Ruins, uh, number one, I believe. But it's given kind of the Marvel's trade dress in terms of the way that Marvel's the font is used. Uh, it's interesting because, again, this really has nothing to do with Marvel's in terms of a companion. It's more of stuff that was released to try and capitalize on the success of Marvel's. Um, so if I go through here, the first story is called uh, Tales of the Marvel's Inner Demons. And this is written by Mariona Nicieza and artwork by Bob Wakelin and Studio Infinity. And it's a little sketchy at times, but um, again, it's not painted in the same way that uh, you would see in Marvels. But there's definitely a, an emphasis on more realism in the artwork here. Um, it's really a story about a drunk uh, who is friends with another drunk who happens to be Prince Namor before he realized who he was back when he was roaming the streets of New York with a big shaggy beard um, and and had like abilities, but he didn't know really who he was. Uh, I thought that actually this was a really good story. I've never read this before. Um, it was an interesting story about this guy kind of confronting his own inner demons. And uh, Namor is very kind of noble uh, before he becomes Namor, basically. Like before he remembers who he is. Uh, once he becomes who he is, he's a bit more of a dick. Uh, although not completely, but... Uh, it's it's well done uh, a really interesting story again in the early days of the Marvel Universe and kind of seeing the impact that Namor had without even knowing it um, it's you know a man against the adversity of dealing with his own uh, alcohol addiction as well as going up against the Enforcers um, who are working for Norman Osborn I don't know if that makes a lot of sense given how Norman Osborn was originally portrayed as not actually being uh, everly evil in his own um, but I actually, I really dug this story. And again, it was a strong story. Uh, Namor was used almost as a prop. It was more about this new character. And I, I dug it quite a lot. I kind of wish we would see that character again. Uh, reading through these, actually, there's a few characters where I was like, man, I wish we would see some of these characters again. I mean, no one would understand them or really know who they are. I mean, these are stories that probably most people have never really read. But uh, I really, really dug them. Uh, then there's Tales of the Marvel's Blockbuster. Uh, by Mike Barron, artwork by Sean Martinborough. Uh, now this I found a lot less interesting. Um, it, it was still interesting. I think the art was a big part of what I was not engaged as much in. Um, I mean, it, it's just a, di a different way of looking at things with Silver Surfer, etc. Uh, but the, the I guess the, the, the largest miniseries to actually be reprinted in this book is Code of Honor. Now, I only very vaguely remembered this being... Uh, solicited back when I first remember ever seeing online solicits. Uh, this must have been like 98, 97, or actually even, I think 96, 97. And I think I remember seeing this particular book um, uh, solicited, and I don't think I ever saw it. Uh, it's this idea that uh, instead of being, you know, the tales of the Marvels kind of being told from Phil Sheldon's perspective, but instead it was, well, what's it like to be a cop in the Marvel Universe? And so we, we have this officer that we get to kind of see what his, his name is Jeffrey Piper. He starts off as a, you know, a regular beat officer and kind of seeing how the Marvel Universe is seen through a cop's eyes. Uh, it's written by Chuck Dixon, who has a good pedigree. Artwork by uh, Tristan Shane and Brad Parker. They're the, the painters. Um, 
And I, I, I actually really enjoyed this story. It, it was definitely a lot more negative than uh, Marvel's. Marvel's had a way of being very hopeful, even in its bleaker moments. Like, it was definitely had a had more of a heart to it, and to, or more of an optimistic heart. Whereas this particular story, I felt, was a lot more... Uh, a lot darker and a lot more depressing at times. But maybe that's what it's like to be a cop in this universe. And uh, it's interesting kind of seeing what how Piper's life... Uh, you know, is is impacted by all the different crazy goings on of the Marvel universe. At times, it does feel like we're just kind of seeing things, and it's it's happening really quickly. And uh, there's not a lot of context that you have to. If you know what's going on in the Marvel universe, it adds more weight. But otherwise, it, it's hard to really know what's going on. The covers are really kind of sh- very of the time. Um, they they look like something out of the mid '90s. Uh, they don't look that you know recognizable. That they're not that that kind of engaging um but yeah the story now at times i wonder about the continuity of the story because that's one thing about kerbushik's uh, marvels everything really fit um there was an extensive research there whereas here at times i felt like maybe there wasn't as much care given to the flow of events but i like seeing how these characters responded um but jeffrey piper's life is kind of a depressing one at times i mean it ends up going better but there's definitely some a lot darker moments in this series than you would see in Marvels. Um, it was again still quite interesting, and I actually really liked it. It was a lot better than I originally expected it to be, and um, because again at times the artwork is a little shaky because it's it's trying to do a specific thing. It's a specific type of painting that's very different from Alex Ross, and sometimes it really succeeds, and sometimes it it falters a little bit more. Uh, then we have uh, Tales of the Marvel's Wonder Years. Now, again, I had never heard of these Tales of series at all. They were completely new to me, which, as a fan of comic books in general, who at times feels like I've read a lot of stuff and sometimes I'm not surprised or I, I, I know a lot of things about comics, there's still some one-shots and miniseries that will surprise me. This Wonder Years um, two-issue miniseries really surprised me, and I really, really liked it. Um... It's written by Dan Abnett and, and Andy and Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. It's written uh, sorry artwork by Igor Cordy, who I don't usually like. This is earlier material. I really hated his stuff on New X Men. I think part of it was that I don't think he was the best fit. I think he was also rushed. This is really good stuff. Part of it's that it's, it's all um, uh, I guess painted um, or like he does all everything. He's doing like you know uh, the pencils, inks, colors. It looks gorgeous. It's a really interesting story although really at times depressing about these two people who bond over their shared love of wonder man they're part of the wonder fans fan group and this is in the you know the mid 90s and it's all about how much they love wonder man and one one of the girls thinks that maybe she's fated to be with him uh because of this one time he saved her life and he left her glasses with her and they go to the force works comp uh, so the west coast avengers compound when they're disbanding the team and basically see the the uh, formation of force works and then which is interesting because again dan Abbott and andy landing were writing force works so it gives them a unique perspective on this um and then wonder man dies that's the end of the first issue and so how does the loss of someone that these two particular people are, are kind of unbalanced in terms of how they feel about them um so you have cindy and uh, bernie and they're so distraught over the loss of wonder man you have cindy daydreaming that he's going to come back and also she's dealing with the fact that well superhero deaths aren't permanent so why is everyone acting as if he's dead he's going to come back and uh, bernie is her friend is 
deeply depressed and almost su- and ends up becoming suicidal. Uh, the two of them end up getting tickets to go, or not tickets, but invited to a mem- special memorial for Wonder Man. And that's when Cindy finally kind of realizes, wait a minute, he's really dead. He's really gone. And ha- she has to move on and also realizes that her friend might be trying to kill herself because she's not wanting to live in a world without Wonder Man. It's, it's extremely um, mature. Um, it's about, you know, it's about, uh, it's about depression. It's about um, obsession uh, with a public figure. Um, it's really, really good. Um, I thought it was just really engaging. And uh, again, it was a very mature story, but really well done. And I, this was kind of a, a really hidden jewel, uh, a hidden gem. Like this was really, really, really good. Um, and again, I like the artwork in it as well. And again, it was a sad story about Wonder Man's death. And again, Wonder Man's come back to life. I mean, he came back in what ninety eight when Heroes Reborn, oh, sorry, Heroes Return happened. Um, so, and he's been back on and off since then. So, I kind of wonder about character like Cindy and, and Bernie, and if the Wonder Fans still exist. But it was a very touching take on these people, and it's understandable in, in a world of superheroes of gods. If you found someone that you related to, or he's an actor, you love his work. People already obsess over actors and actresses, right? This is normal. Not normal, sorry, that's the wrong word. This is something that does happen. It's naturally occurring that people sometimes go too far and they become obsessed, and they're obsessive fans. There's different degrees to which people will become obsessed and allow that obsession to motivate them. Maybe it'll mean they'll never be harmful. Sometimes maybe it will be harmful. Here are these two people who are so in love with Simon Williams because he's not just a, their favorite actor, but he's also a superhero who saves people, who rescues people, who in this case has actually saved Cindy. So her life has been affected by this man in a way that he he just happened to save her that day and he went off and did something else. But for her, it changed her entire life. She moved out west so that she could be closer to Wonder Man. And then when he died, she loses that rudder. And so does her friend. Um, a really good story. And... Um, um, it, it kind of takes a part of Wonder Man that people sometimes make fun of, which is the fact that he's an actor, and especially in that this period, it was kind of played for laughs sometimes. So they take the fact that you know he's kind of this uh, a, a mid-level superhero who's not usually given that much credit, who's also an actor, which sometimes they make fun of him for, and it really adds a whole new dimension to his life. Um, we have this this Wonder Fan worldwide fan club uh, that uh, Bernie's the president of, and then. Uh, I guess what uh, Cindy was, I think, the secretary of. Uh, then we have Conspiracy, but also, and I didn't even realize this back when I first read it, but it's written by Dan Abnett again, and it's uh, Igor Cordy is once again the painter on the book. And again, I find it fascinating to me that I really couldn't stand Igor Cordy's work on the new X-Men. I thought it was ugly. I didn't like his work on the Cable or Soldier X or whatever it was at that time. But then I go back and I read his painted work here, which is earlier, and it's just... It's night and day. It, I mean, when he does everything and has time, I think his artwork is just phenomenal. But I wouldn't have known that. Um, so, it's, so this is really good. Now, unfortunately, I actually didn't get a chance to reread Conspiracy on my vacation. Um, I kind of prioritized all the new stuff, but I'm excited to eventually come back to it, considering it's the reason why I, brought, I uh, bought the book. But uh, just flipping through it, like it's, it still looks great, and the, the pages I've read still read quite well. Uh, I like the... Um, the, the, there's some quotes about conspiracy and truth uh, that go after each issue which I like as well and I remember really liking that when I was younger the only thing I didn't get a chance to read in this particular 
collection was ruined by uh, Warren Ellis and uh, Cliff Nielsen and Therese Nielsen, uh, which I will hopefully read soon. Uh, that's a two-issue series. It's part of the Marvel Alterniverse. Uh, was a, a brand name that they kind of used, not that often, but sometimes in this period. So that's uh, Marvel's uh, Companion. Uh, I think it's definitely a, a worthwhile book to read, and I just really liked it myself, um, as you've heard me talk about. Uh, then also from DC, I got to uh, read uh, issues of the original Impulse run, which I'd never really read. Uh, with the Flash series, sorry, the Flash Hero Cook set was coming out, and I was like, you know what, I should read some Flash stuff. But I've read a lot of the Flash stuff. I've read a lot of the Mark Wade Flash, and I'm like, I want to read something I've never read before. So I decided to go with Impulse, because Impulse I had never really read. Um, and I got to say, I really dug it. It was, uh, it was definitely something different. Um, so I mean, the first, most of the first what two years of the book were written by Mark Wade with artwork by uh, Humberto Ramos. Uh, the series started in April. I get, well, it's cover dated April '95 is issue number one, and uh, I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's very much a, a fun, lighthearted book. At times, uh, Humberto Ramos almost makes Impulse look a, too, a little too old, like he's not quite as young as he sh- as he should be or the, as he's written as um, but I just really liked um, the way like all the different characters that are introduced in this book uh, a really vibrant um, supporting cast in terms of his his two best friends and some other people at school uh, the way that they give Bart a life outside the costume because again if you've never really read impulse you don't really know about everything that Bart has gone through in his life in terms of his personal life um, I also really like just all the action um, that uh, Impulse gets involved in, uh, the way that uh, Max Mercury is written as well. He's supposed to be this kind of Zen guru, but half the time he's not really teaching um, Bart about his speed, but he's just kind of this mentor figure to kind of get him to, to think about things, take things seriously. Things aren't just video games. Um, but yeah, it, it's this is a, re- a really strong series of issues. Again, the Ramos stuff is some of his best artwork I've ever seen. I mean, it's very, very early Ramos before he kind of cut loose with um, kind of over-the-top body language, which I think went craziest around maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. Like when he was on Spider-Man for Return of the Green Goblin, uh, or Revenge of the Green Goblin, I can't remember the exact name of the storyline. Was it Death of the Green Goblin? I don't remember. There was a a death storyline, or death-related storyline with Green Goblin that uh, he did with Paul Jenkins, which I, I remember reading in hating uh, back when it first came out in the early 2000s uh, just because the artwork was so exaggerated uh, and just like the, a lot of the proportions or the anatomy was just so all over the place uh, here it's a lot earlier in his career and I find there's a lot more of restraint in terms of the art um, and how Ramos his characters look um, I mean there's still there's still uh, there's definitely a, a kinetic sense to it I love the way that he illustrates the speed um, in that uh, Bart is exhibiting. Um, there's just a lot of humor in the way that it's all written. Um, Mark Wade had a good sense of who the character was. Obviously, he created the character with Mike Waringo. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought this was a fantastic book. Uh, seeing Excess uh, meet up with Impulse as well and, and see their relationship um, not really deepen, but you know, we, we, we come to really enjoy Jenny Ognatz's uh, appearances here, and then she kind of ends up taking off. Um, we have Maloney Thawne shows up in these issues. We have a, a crossover with, um, with the Flash book as they go up against Savitar. Um, 
I yeah I I just really really dug this book. It it's how far did I get? Um, I read about thirty one issues of Impulse, uh, and I look forward to keep going at some point when I have time. Um, I did will say that once uh, Mark Wagos leaves the book, there's definitely a kind of a, a shift in tenor. Uh, William Messner Loeb's, I believe, is writing some of the, some of the book, and eventually will be succeeded by uh, Todd Izago. Um, I'm sure they'll be fine, but there's definitely a certain feel in the book while Mark Wade is on it, uh, especially when Ramos is on it. Like Ramos isn't on every issue here. There's some stuff where, like, even Sal Buscema does some breakdowns, um, which is still like the most different. Unless you told me that Sal Buscema did breakdowns, you'd be hard pressed to see Sal Buscema in this artwork. Um, but it's just a fun kind of old ages book like you could really give this book to almost anybody they don't even need to know much about the flash because it gives you everything you need to understand and i mean the the rogues gallery if you can call that for impulses you know just a like what the street character or there's a few characters in here that they'll that he'll go up against on a regular basis but mostly it was just him kind of living life and going up against like the weird things that might show up in alabama at some point um which really sets it apart from other books, I think, especially of the time. Uh, it, you got to remember, I mean, the mid-90s is not exactly a point of... of um, it's not really the time frame where you expect a lot of fun books. It, I mean, it was more of the grim and gritty or look what's going on at the time. Uh, Marvel was like, all oh, its characters kind of looked like they were affected by the grunge era. And then you have this fun, light impulse book, which is just every issue is just a joy um and i am sure ramos's artwork is a big part of that but so is mark wade's spirit i mean i think his his take on flash was always fun but there was just a lot more going on it wasn't nearly as simple uh part of that's because you know he was exploring the speed force and he was kind of escalating stakes and showing how you know the mythology of the characters but here it, it was a lot simpler it was just here's a super fast team uh, he's living with this guy, he's trying to trying to raise him, and they're trying to live this relatively simple, mundane life in Manchester, Alabama. Um, and you know, Bart has to try and figure out what it means to have a secret identity and keep it on the down low, which is something very difficult for someone who's raised basically in a computer game in a VR simulation where there were no stakes, and suddenly there's stakes, and he has to be okay with that and has to uh, figure out how to adjust his life to that and slow down. To, so that he can actually enjoy and appreciate his life as well. And he can't just be a superhero all the time. He actually has to learn things. He actually has to be a human being and a teenager and learn what that means. Um, Mark Wade nails it, and Ramos does just some delightful artwork. So I was able to enjoy, as I said, you know, 30 or so issues of Impulse. I was going to try and read some Young Justice Falls on Vacation, but I didn't really have a chance. I was hoping I would read enough Impulse to get to the point where Impulse then joined Young Justice so I wouldn't kind of be seeing the character in two different um, wavelengths because he obviously goes through some changes when he was with Young Justice and eventually would join the Teen Titans, become Kid Flash, and uh, everything would kind of change for the character. And I kind of missed the fun silly version of impulse that we get here i mean the character's grown up well now it doesn't even exist really right but the character definitely grew up over the years and i liked seeing him grow up but seeing his beginnings was a lot of fun not to say i don't like that what jeff johns did to him really accelerating his time frame making him into kid flash uh then seeing his take on uh, when not jeff johns's but when bart took on the identity of the flash seeing what that was like there's a lot of cool things that have happened with the bart allen character uh, but seeing where he came from and seeing 
how he was originally written was actually just a, a joy. Uh, as I said, a lot of fun. So anyways, that was my vacation reading this year. Um, so not nearly as much as I, you know, in previous years, I probably would have devoured, like, all of the the impulse issues, and I probably would have read a lot of Young Justice too. But once you have a kid, you find that the time you would have spent hanging out at the pool or on the beach reading some comics is suddenly gone. And uh, that being said, you're having a lot of fun at the beach with your son, so it's it's still good. But it's just a different type of type of good, different type of vacation. Anyways, thank you very much for indulging me for this episode. This has been episode uh, 222. It's our uh, Comic Talk summer reading, sorry, summer reading, vacation reading episode. You can email me at comicshenanigans at uh, gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also post in our HC Realms thread as well. Uh, the next episode, which I guess would be episode 224, um, it might be a flashback episode. It might end up being uh, just uh, the, the next talk in Star Trek episode. I'm not really sure. It depends on uh, what I'm able to record in the next little bit. Um, but if it's a flashback episode, hopefully it'll be a really good one. Hopefully it'll be with Paul Scores. If it's not, it'll be a talk in Star Trek episode with uh, Tibor uh, Mate joining me once again. Uh, I think the last time we did an episode was March together in terms of talk in Star Trek. And uh, I think at the time we were talking about uh, season season premieres or series premieres of Star Trek uh, shows. As a, and this time we were going to talk about finales, but um, as the first week of December has um, the last season of Star Trek: The Next Generation coming out on Blu-ray, he was like, you know what? Why don't we get together, watch Encounter at Farpoint, which is the first two episodes, and then watch the last two episodes or however many episodes it was that made up all good things. And I'm like, yeah, it's a great plan. So that should be an episode uh, coming out. Uh, if, if it's not episode 224, it'll be episode 226. So anyways, thank you for indulging me today, and uh, we'll see you next time. Um, look forward to uh, episode 223, our next reviews episode, uh, probably out around December 1st or 2nd. Uh, thanks again for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.